Good morning. My name is Cipriano Martinez. Um, I'm uh, like I'm really glad to be here. I'm really glad to praise with Ben again in Brit, Brit, Ben and Brit, Ben and Brittany. I uh, um, like I had the opportunity to be able to praise with them and go to church with them for a lot of years, and it just I was over here crying. I was just thinking about just just worshiping God and worshiping God with friends and then hearing all your voices worshiping God. This is an awesome church. I think it's awesome to be able to hear us worship together. So um, I want to talk about something this morning and I really feel and believe that God put, put, put this on my heart for today because I wanted to do something else. But so for the next two weeks, the sermon series is going to be a two-week sermon series a heart to make disciples. Um, I love the example that we have to make disciples, but before we get into discipleship, I want to ask you a rhetorical question, but a question, still a question. How many times do we put others' interests before ourselves? We do, right? We get up in the morning, we um, get our kids ready, um, we like go to work. We uh, uh, provide for our family. Um, so we do put others before ourselves every single day. Brothers might put your sisters before yourself. Sisters might put sometimes, maybe. Uh, um, but we do. But to what extent? Where do we draw the line in the sand of putting others be- before ourselves? And it's something that we work on day in and day out. Is it only focused on our immediate family? When, whenever we read scripture, are we, just, are we just applying it to our immediate family or our church family? Or do we also think of others outside of our family and their interests? You know, this concept is humiliating. It's a humiliating concept. But it's a concept that we are trying to grasp. Who in their right mind would come up with a concept of putting others before ourselves? And in today's society, it seems like um, that's not what we're taught outside of our church walls. And we shouldn't be surprised by that. But Paul's Paul's instructions to the church, and we will be looking in the book of Philippians, chapter 2. And so Paul had instruction to this church. And I like to give a little bit of context or a little bit of background behind it. So Paul is writing a letter to the Philippian church, to, Phil, to, the, church of Phil, to the church of Philippi. Um, he is in Rome. He is in prison or in maybe house arrest per se. He had a little bit of freedom. But we know that Paul is writing to the Philippian church. And we know that he's in Rome and he's writing from there to them. And so what I was, was taught, not what like, I was taught about the context was try to pretend that you are the people from Philippi whenever you read scripture. It kind of makes it real because the message was to the Philippian church. So we are a church. The message was to Christ's church. And so that message is also to us. And so we should take that as a message. So I'm going to start to read in Philippians 2, 1 through 4, and then I'll pick up here shortly after that. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort 
from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. Having the same love, being in full accord in one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you, Father, for the word, for the message that you have gave Paul, Father. In a time of suffering or struggling, you gave Paul a message to the church, Father. And I, I would like to think that we are still the church, Father. And I pray that we, we, we take this message and we apply it to our lives, Father. Father, I just pray that you bless this morning and that this message doesn't stay within these, these, these walls this morning, that we can take it out into the world. Father, I just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we have an instruction just as, the, just as the Philippians did. Verse 2 says, are we striving? Or, or, or the question is, are we striving to be of the same mind, same love, of one accord? Are we striving to be of the same mind, same love, of one accord? And then we ask ourselves, well, what mind? Whose mind are we striving to be like? Verse 3 talks about do nothing from rivalry or conceit. In other words, do not be in competition with others or try to better or try to be better than others. In verse 4 it says, are we counting others more significant than ourselves? And you might ask, well, where are you going with this? And the best, I, the best example that I have, the best example that we have are in the verses to come. The best example that the world has ever seen or ever heard are in the verses to come. These next verses are some of my favorite verses in all of Scripture because they teach us how to live, how to live as Christ's church, how to live as people in this world, creations of God. So it's important that we imply these. Verse 5 through 11, if you follow me along. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the God the Father. So I want to talk about our example that we are to follow in a relationship that we're to obtain. He thinks of others not himself. He thinks of others not himself. Verse five, uh, verse 5 through 6. 
Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This mind that Paul was just talking about, the same mind, same love, same accord. Where can we find that mind? That of Christ, in Christ, in Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. The mind of Christ means the attitude or the character of Christ. This mind of Christ we're talking about is the character of Christ. Well, how can we learn the character of Christ? One way is through the Gospels or through here, through Paul's message. But we can also obtain that character or figure out what that character of Christ is so that we can live like that through a relationship with Christ. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And so we obtain that through a relationship with Christ. Matt, Matt, uh, the book of Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, come. He's offering us to come. You that are heavy burden, have a heavy load. Follow me. Allow me to take your burden because your burden's heavy. Mine is light. I can carry it. Jesus was, was saying. And so in other words, the um, yoke, he says, put your yoke upon me. The, the um, yoke back then was a, like, well, they still, I don't think they use them. Any farmers, I know there's farmers in here. You guys don't use yokes anymore, right? But anyway, you put this thing around an ox, right? And then it has strings and stuff, and they can till the ground. Well, Jesus was using verbiage so that they would understand. So the way that they would do it, a farmer would have an oxen or an ox, a big ox, a mature ox, and they were wanting to train a younger ox, they would yoke them together. And they would let them work the field together. And the bigger ox would carry most of the weight to teach the younger one on how to do the work. And so Jesus was using this illustration that he was the stronger one. He was the one that we would be yoked together with. And we followed him and he would teach us how to live. Because it's hard for us to toil. The ground is hard and it's hard for us to get in, especially if we didn't get in the rain. Wasn't that awesome last night? We got some nice rain, right? That was good. That was real good. But, but Jesus said, come to me. I will carry this. I will teach you. We have a relationship through the Spirit of Christ. In Romans 8, 9 says we are one one in spirit with Christ. So how do we learn? You know, uh, it's not a literal. Uh, um, how can I say it? Jesus is here with us through spirit. We can spend time with him whenever. We are one with him in spirit. Romans 12, 1 through 3 says, Do not confirm to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. How do we have that renewing of our mind? Through a relationship with Jesus. And I've been in church for, I've been saved. I haven't been saved as long as a lot of people. I've been, like, I got saved when I was 20, whenever I was 26 years old. And I'm not going to go in my whole testimony, but I accepted Jesus in an 8 by 10 concrete jail cell. And through the last years in church, I've heard about a relationship with Jesus. And, and like we hear pastors preach about it and talk about it. But what is it exactly? My prayer every morning, any church I go to, is that we do not keep the message within these walls. 
So let's say that a man and a woman, they like meet each other and they start having feelings for each other and they decide to get married together. And so they have a nice wedding, an elaborate wedding. And after the honeymoon, the husband moves to New York City and the wife goes to LA. And then, and then in about a year when it's time for their anniversary, they get together and they hang out for a couple days and then they go back for another year. What kind of relationship would that be? Some, 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 sometimes I have been to blame to do that. Getting up early in the morning and taking care of everything else and I forget about the number one. The formula in my life and that's Jesus. And then I'm praying on the way to work because I don't want to set my alarm a little bit sooner so that I can wake up a little bit early and spend some quiet time with God. And then I tell myself, God, I'm going to... I'm going to wit- I am going to witness to somebody at work today, and then when I get to work, I'm like, eh, maybe I don't. He's a heathen. I'm not going to do that. But that's what we're supposed to do. But I think it works on that relationship, that, that same mind, that mind of Christ. Huh. I'll go out the box on, the, on like another note. We, we do make some, some you know... I guess that, that person that was saying, nah, like I ain't going to minister to him. Um, it's that inner moron that I think maybe we all have. Maybe, or like I do, I know that. And we're always struggling with it. But if we can constantly practice his presence, that mind of Christ, and then as a church in whole, just like the voices were singing earlier, it was all in one accord. That's the same thing that Paul's talking about. That mindset, all of one accord, but don't leave it here. And so, so it goes on, verse 6. Who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped. Jesus is in the form of God. Form of God has nothing to do with the shape or size. John 4.22 says, God is spirit and we should worship him in spirit and truth. Jesus had God's spirit, his divine nature, The creator of the universe, right here in this scripture, right here, it like it shows a picture that the creator, Jesus, 100% man, 100% God, Jesus, creator of the universe, came down from his earthly throne to become less than in the form of a servant. He made himself, he emptied himself. It goes on to say that he emptied himself. It's called the kenosis command. The Greek words empty is kenosis, that he, he gave all of himself by taking on the form of a servant. This week, uh, oh, I'm not supposed to move around. Sorry. This week, Friday, my boss at work, um, I don't know, some, some of you guys know in a secular work field, um, 
the boss always gets a, like a lot of the other crew people are always downing the boss for some reason and he's always been a good guy to me I always think he's been you know he tries he's been there for a while well Friday we are cleaning our new shop out because we're moving all our stuff to our new shop and I look over and he's on his hands and knees at the toilet bowl cleaning the toilet bowl cleaning the floor that gave me a lot of respect for that man. He's the boss of like 20 guys and he's over there doing that, right? He didn't have to do that. He could have told somebody else to do that. That same picture is what Jesus has done. The boss, the Lord of Lord, King of Kings came down and emptied himself. Jesus gave up his role as God to be an example for you and me. He made himself less. In contrast, Christ's attitude with Lucifer's attitude in Isaiah 14, 14, 12 to 15. Lucifer said he will ascend above God. Lucifer thought selflessly. That mindset of putting putting others before yourself... Lucifer said, I will, I will. Jesus said, thy will, God, thy will. And I pray that we, that I can be that that person that says, thy will, God. And I pray that that inner moron will just stay back here because I know he's going to be there until Christ returns. Verse 7, he says, But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus thought of others and became a servant. I'm just, this is, like I said, this is one of my favorite scriptures. Just this image of of a king with a crown and, 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 and like white hair. In the book of Revelations, the first chapter, the first vision that Paul gets, a guy turns around, or Paul, or, or John turns around, and there's this guy with fire in his eyes, which means that he can see everything. White, white hair, which means in Proverbs, it talks about someone with total white hair, knows total wisdom, unblemished, right? So he knows everything. Bronze feet, which means that he can crush his enemies, right, with a, a white robe and a golden sash, right? Picture that, king of kings, Coming down and making himself less. Just for all of us. Just like my boss. I have so much respect. And we should always have so much respect. For the king of kings. Why wouldn't we? Jesus thought of others and became a servant. If you read through the gospels. It is Jesus who was always serving others. That example. He wasn't serving others just in the synagogue or in church or wherever he went. It was in people's homes. It was on the mountainsides. It was out there. It wasn't just in here. As a matter of fact, in his time when he was in the temple, he was kind of condemning sometimes, but he was reading the truth. He has humbly made himself less. And I put here as a note, ought we do the same? 
not we do the same? Are we here to serve others? I had a boss a few years ago, a family member, and he was trying to teach me some values and stuff like that. Best boss I worked with teaching me what it meant to work hard. Great boss that way. But values, not really. But he said, Cipriano, always put number one first. Always put number one first, talking about myself. Don't put anybody before yourself, only you first, because nobody in this world is going to give you anything. you got to earn it all yourself, but put yourself first. Worst advice I ever heard. Really. Contradicts what Scripture says. I had a time to talk with him. This was years ago, and I had the opportunity to talk with him a couple months ago. We had a, fa we had a family reunion. And um, he had been going through some medical things, his eyes and his hearing and stuff, and then his shoulder. And he said, Sis, he said, Cipriano, God's trying to talk to me. He's speaking to me. He says, I need to start seeing better and hearing better and treating people better. I loved that conversation. You know? I've prayed for that man for many years. And I'm sure a lot of other people have too. But God is doing things in his life. But, but about putting number one first, he is number one. Put him first. You don't have to be number one. That, that, uh, that verse number um, four, verse four, or no, wait. Uh, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Paul's saying, don't be selfish. Don't try to be better than everybody, which it's hard to do in this world, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses. I've, I struggle with that. Like, yes, we just paid off this truck. Let's get a brand new one that that guy's driving over there. No, I can't. And I'm not saying stuff's bad. You know, it is, but just, just for me, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be there. So, so it's a, you know, it's a constant, it's a constant. But Paul's saying, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Imagine the mark that we can do out there in the world by putting others before ourselves. When nobody else is putting them before themselves. Right? That's what, that's what we're supposed to do. Jesus served all mankind and thought of himself less. Example is washing the disciples' feet, getting on his knees, undoing the sandals, washing their feet. The King of kings, Lord of lords. And so that's, that, that, that's just the perfect image of what a real man's supposed to be. You know, this last so many years, you've got to be macho and tough. You don't cry. You don't do this, this thing. You know, that's kind of how my dad taught me. But the real image of a man is getting down on your knees and washing your brothers, your friends, their feet. And you don't have to take it literal. You can if you like. It's an awesome experience to do that. But to literally put them before yourselves. It goes on in verse 8. In being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. 
But then there's some of us that don't mind serving others as long as there's something in return. Jesus was going to the cross. So that I wouldn't have to suffer. Jesus became obedient to the point of death. He willingly laid down his life for the sins of the world. Yours and my sins. And so as being a church, as being the church today. And scripture says we're all called to minister. We're all called to share. As a believer, we're called to share with others. Uh, Dr. J.H. Hewitt said, Ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. There's a cost to following Jesus. Many times we come and we accept Jesus in our life and we're just left to learn on our own. Nobody tells us the cost. There's a cost. And part of that cost is to put others before ourselves. So I want you to count the cost of not counting the cost. Count the cost of not counting. Count the cost, then count the cost of not counting the cost. That's it, yeah. Count the cost, and then count the cost of not counting the cost. So are we making sacrifices for the kingdom? Sacrificing our time, our money, our talents for others, for each other, for God's people, for God? I had a, pa- I had a pastor, my first pastor, you guys probably know him, Teen- Dean Turberville. He's my first pastor. Um, great guy. And... He said, the place I work don't sign my paychecks. He signs my paychecks. You know, all those cattle on the hill, the hills belong to God and also the cattle. All that, all the crops you guys have growing out there, that ground belongs to God. Belongs to Him. Crops do too. He makes it grow. I have another pastor, my new, new, my like new pastor. He's, he said, I moved all the way here and I knew it was a dry land, but you have farmers trying to grow stuff in the desert. How are you doing that? Like God's doing it. We need to have the submissive mind of Christ that we that Paul talked about to have that one mind. And our example is through Jesus. That relationship with Jesus. Practicing the presence day in and day out with Jesus. Putting others before ourselves. And it's hard to break that after a while. But after we do it and do it and do it and think of others more, lot more likely than ourselves. Like Jesus did. Put, put, you know, Jesus did this. He made himself less became in the form of a servant. Sacrifice, give of ourselves so we can find joy by sharing in his sufferings. 
This last verse I just read was, was, was he, he went to the cross. He got mocked. And in Matthew it says, if we're following Jesus, we will be persecuted for that. But we have a great leader that's training us up. The church is not supposed to be a group of spectators. It's supposed to be a trained army. And the king of kings, he's our leader. And he gives us everything we need day in, day out. He don't give us everything for the day for the day after tomorrow. He gives us everything we need for that day. And sometimes the day that he gives us everything we need, we like want to try to save some of it for the next day. But what happened to the Israelites with the manna? Try to save a little bit and it was... It was bad the next day. It was growing worms and stuff. He gives us everything we need for that day, and we need to use it all that day. And, and, and like, no, that's enough. What he blesses with us that day, that is enough. And then the next day, we will use that for that day. And we do need encouragement whenever we go out into the world to witness to others. We need encouragement. I really, that's why I need to be at church. That's why I need to have the Lord in my life. I need other believers in my life so that I can get encouragement. The Bible says in Hebrews, do not stop meeting together like some are in the habit of doing. Why? So that we can continue to encourage one another and build each other up. That's why it's important to have a church. That's why God has uh, 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 the church. Because people need people. Especially when there's persecution. <clears throat> Through his humble spirit, he glorifies God. So my encouragement is that we too glorify God in all our actions. And I want to encourage you that by spending time with the Lord and asking him what you need for that morning... We need strength to be able to witness to others. We need strength to be able to come out of our comfort zone, to be able to put others before ourselves because it seems unnatural sometimes. And he gives us that strength. Think of others' interests, serve and sacrifice to glorify God. This renewing of our minds allows us to act in a way that honors God. This new mindset if we are to be referred to as Christians, we are to be Christ-like. Romans 12, 1 again. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What, is, what, what, what new mindset are we going to have? The same character mindset of Jesus. How do we obtain that? Is through a relationship, a constant relationship with Jesus. Practicing His presence day in and day out. And know that there's going to be hardships, but still practice his presence. And so I said that this, this was titled A Heart to Make Disciples. Didn't te talk too much about discipleship. It is very important to be obedient and invest into others' lives. So by investing into others' lives, which we'll talk about next Sunday which Paul was already talking about, and Jesus being our example, by investing into people's lives, 
we start making disciples of others. By putting others before ourselves, we can start making new relationships and, 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 uh, and molding disciples. But you have to put others first before you can make disciples. And you've got to invest your time to make disciples, just as Jesus did. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Father, this morning, Father God, for the picture in Philippians 2 of you, Father. Giving of all yourself, Father, becoming less, Father, in the form of a servant. Father, I pray that we can, we, we can use you as the example, the only example to follow in life should be someone like you that's following you, Father. Father, the world is tough out here. But I pray for strength in this congregation, Father. I pray for one accord and unity, Father, of that mind, that one mind, that one love. And that all, that character, those character traits come from you and you alone, Father. You are love, and I pray that we can be love to others. And I pray that that's, that's, our, that's our, our homework, Father, is to extend our hand to someone this week. And I pray that you would give us that strength to do so. That this message does not stay within these walls. And I know that the word says that your message, your word does not come back void. I pray for a fruitful labor. Just as the labor as that rain has done on all the crops in Curry County. And in West Texas. Father, again, I just thank you. I thank you for Waypoint Church. And I just pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.